just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It is Thursday. And I got to be honest, all day yesterday I was kind of uh, out of pocket. I wasn't really focusing on news or anything like I would normally be doing. Mainly because my brother and my wife and I had to go up to uh, Duluth in Minnesota to tend to some of the logistics regarding my father's death. You know, there's a lot of loose ends to tie up and they're really only people to do it are his kids and that would be my brother and I. So we had to go up there and get some of the information and some of the paperwork and get some insight of what was going on in his life at that point. As I've said before, I really had no contact with my father for probably 25 years. Uh, So anyway, we go up there and we meet uh, a bunch of people, well, several people that, that knew him up there. And it was very interesting. He was actually well-liked up there. He didn't make a lot of money. He was living off Social Security, which is quite a drop from uh, this guy in the 1980s and 90s was making a quarter of a million dollars a year. So he made a lot of money in his lifetime. Uh, Long reason why he doesn't have it now. Uh, It's part of his lifestyle and uh, part of his mindset. Anyway, we go up there. And, the, and, and because I'm up there doing that, I'm really not focusing on what's going on in the news. So I'm kind of shirking my duties in terms of TikTok and really preparing for the podcast. That said, I've got plenty to talk about, so don't worry about that. Anyway, we get up there and we're meeting these people. And these people, are, you know, are sympathizing with us. And, and frankly, my brother and I aren't that emotional about this. We haven't seen him in years. The last time we saw him, it wasn't the most pleasant experience. But it was weird. These people really liked him. And that's fine. You know, I'm I'm, I'm glad that uh, in his later years, he had happy times. He had good friends. He did some things. I, I wish the guy no ill. It's just that it was strange seeing all these guys and, and ladies that had glowing things to say about him. But there was one problem that kind of disturbed me about these conversations. They would give us information about my father things they knew about my father, and a lot of them just weren't true. Just weren't fucking true. (laughs) Absolutely not true. And my brother and I are sitting there, and and as I'm listening to this, my wife is kind of nudging me with her leg, basically saying in our special code, just shut the fuck up and listen. Don't wreck this. And, and I wasn't going to anyway, you know, I'm thinking to myself, you know, he lived his last several years like this. These people remember him fondly. They want to have a party and, and, and a memorial and all that sort of thing. And, and uh, my, my dad had a little money left over. So we were just going to give them that money and say, do whatever you want to do. I don't want the money from my father. But it was weird just sitting there and listening to these facts and figures and stories that I knew for a fact weren't true. And it was hard not to set them straight. But I decided, you know, there's no money in it. What what possible gain is there? If they have happy memories and uh, my father did the best he could to live out his life with what he had to deal with at that point, Far be it for me to take that away from anybody. Uh, They don't have to know all the sordid details uh, if they hadn't seen it. And, and, And let's be perfectly honest. If you take a man at 20, a man at 40, a man at 60, and a man at 80, you got four different men. I mean, basically they're the same, but their perception is different, and their surroundings are different, and they become slightly different people. So my hope is that when he got to be in his 70s and 80, that maybe he did settle down and become a better person. I don't know that that's true. I know he was lying a lot. (laughs) But what are you going to do when you lived a life like he did? So anyway, my point of that is I spent most of the day doing that. I had to go up to Duluth and come back and 
talk to these people and get some things figured out. So I didn't put in the time I normally put in on TikTok and or the podcast. That said, we've got plenty to talk about on this podcast, a lot of interesting things going on. Now, let's start it out with an email. By the way, I've got a couple of listener shows coming up in the next couple of days, so you'll be looking forward to that. Anyway, I have one email comes from Brenton from Michigan. Uh, He's written in a number of times. He says, hey, Mike, I was listening to the podcast the other day, and you were mentioning the power grid issues in North Carolina. This came across my email feed and might be worth skimming. Once again, you were right as far as the local officials downplaying the serious nature of the attacks as to not scare the public. But there seems to be other states now reporting similar issues, and the news is slowly getting out. Now, someone has potentially died from the effects of shutting down the power grid, and now this should really be considered an act of terror. We may never know who did it, like you said, but I hope this isn't a precursor to some more disruptions. Thanks again, Mike. Brenton from Michigan, 37-year-old father of three, and a dedicated listener to the Rational Boomer podcast. Thank you very much, Brenton. And and what Brenton did is he sent me a link. Uh, this comes from a local television station in North Carolina. I think they call it CBS 17. And it is kind of an interesting story, so I'll, I'll take a look at it for you. The story goes like this, uh, Carthage, North Carolina. It looks like Moore County in North Carolina is not alone. Each day, CBS 17 is learning more and more about the incident in which 45,000 customers lost power after gunfire attacks hit different Moore County electrical substations, knocking out power through Carthage, Southern Pines, Pinehurst, and Aberdeen. Tuesday night, CBS 17 learned North Carolina isn't the only state to see intentional attacks against critical infrastructure. News Nation, one of CBS 17's partners under its parent company Nexstar, obtained a recent federal law enforcement memo describing similar situations across the U.S., The memo specifically names Oregon and Washington as experiencing physical attacks on substations using hand tools, arson, firearms, and metal chains, possibly in response to an online call for attacks on critical infrastructure. North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper called Saturday night's outage a criminal attack. Now, Moore County Sheriff Ronnie Fields agreed, saying that The individual that did the damage knew exactly what they were doing to cause the damage and cause the outage that they did. The federal memo also said in recent attacks, criminal actors bypassed security fences by cutting fence links, lighting nearby fires, shooting equipment from a distance or throwing objects over the fence and onto the equipment. The targeted attack has Homeland Security experts not ruling out the actions as domestic terrorism. The attacks also came just a few days after the U.S. Department of Homeland Security issued a bulletin to law enforcement noting that the United States remains in a heightened threat environment. And I appreciate that tip, Brenton, and that link. And it is kind of interesting that we are seeing more and more of these types of things. And it's not that surprising. You know, we're dealing with the Trumplifox, and with the Trumplifox, we are essentially dealing with domestic terrorists. We've seen them do that. You know, we saw them attack the U.S. Capitol, and we've seen these lone crazies go out and do certain things. As I've said before, I don't expect to see hordes of people starting things anymore because they don't have the protection of Donald Trump, the DOJ, and everybody else in the government. Now Joe Biden's president. Uh, They have no cover, so these big groups don't really have the courage to go out and do things. That said, there are going to be some crazy fucks out there that do some things. And it's interesting that they would pick power plants. Uh, Obviously, what they want to do is they want to cause damage and affect as many people as they possibly can. And, and of course, in, in North Carolina, that's exactly what they did. But if they're doing it in Oregon and Washington, 
you have to look at that seriously as domestic terrorism. Is this something that we're going to see countrywide? I don't know, but uh, it is troubling. The thing about it is, is, is what I've said before. Donald Trump turned this country into a divisive shit show. There is no debate anymore. It's always arguments, and it's always very volatile, and even sometimes gets violent. These people who have been told by Donald Trump that they need to save this country truly believe it, regardless of what information and evidence comes out, and they get angry. They get scared, and uh, since they aren't the brightest folks in the world, they attack as I said, I don't really have a concern about large groups like we saw in Washington, D.C. on January 6th of 2021. I don't see that happening. But uh, we only need a few crazies out there to do some incredible damage, whether it be shooting up a store or a school, uh, bombs, or shooting up um, power stations. Uh, the point of it is to create chaos, create uncertainty, create fear. I mean, I've told you this before, the Trump fucks, everything they do is based on fear. Those brown people coming across the border, trying to steal elections. It's all about fear. And when people whip up the fear in some of these people, some of them act out. And unfortunately, people can get hurt. People can get injured. People can get killed, for that matter. And now... As Donald Trump is being exposed and some of the Trump fucks are being exposed, we have to be aggressive in trying to get control of this thing. Because all the time that Donald Trump was president and the two years after, these Trump fucks created this chaos and this fear. And somehow it's got to be throttled down. Otherwise, we're going to see these various events in various parts of the country uh, if we don't put a stop to it. And this is, this is a serious thing. I mean, the problem with this, you don't know where it's going to crop up. I'm in Minnesota. I could be walking through uh, a target and some shit could go down. That's what all of us have to be concerned about. So at some point, we need to get a hold of this and knock it down. And I don't know exactly how to do it. We let these people run roughshod for six years and now we've got to stop them. It took six years to get to the point they're at now. We can't do it overnight by shutting them down. But we should be taking the proper steps. Indicting Donald Trump and all the people around him, that's a good step. The fact that they're putting away people who attack the Capitol and putting them in jail, that should help too. But if we need to be aggressive against these folks, if we need to be tougher against them just to send a message, I think we need to look at that. I don't know what that looks like. I'm not making any claims or threats that we have to get violent or nasty or anything like that. But we do need to do something. I'm just a guy sitting in my living room doing a podcast. We've got, we've got intelligence agencies, we've got law enforcement agencies, and we've got our government. <clears throat> It's time they decide that we need to do something, come up with that something, and fucking do it. All right, let's move to the insider-in-chief, Donald Trump. We know Donald Trump stole many top-secret documents, brought them down to Mar-a-Lago, a completely unsecure place with God knows who walking through Mar-a-Lago. We know the National Archive said, look, man, you got some of the top secret documents. We want them back. So Donald Trump packed up 15 boxes, gave them back. But then the National Archives said, now nah, you got some more. We want those back, too. And they said, yeah, no, we don't. We don't have any. So then the FBI uh, served a search warrant, went through Mar-a-Lago and found like 20 more boxes of shit. So clearly he was lying. Now, when they got all of that out of there, people were appalled and thinking, my God, he lied to the FBI and he's stealing top secret documents. What the hell is he doing? Now, once the FBI got this stuff back and got it back to the National Archives, they said, you know, there's still some shit missing. Well, 
it's not surprising. Donald Trump has a number of locations where this stuff could be. So we all wondered, why aren't they going to Bedminster or Trump Tower or something like that? So there's a lot of pressure on Donald Trump, but more so on the lawyers. Donald Trump doesn't give a fuck if he breaks a law. But these lawyers of his are being taken to task, uh, taken to task and, and, and being sanctioned and being fined. So they're a little nervous. So just yesterday, attorneys for Donald Trump have located more classified documents in addition to the 300 that the federal agents retrieved while executing a search warrant at Mar-a-Lago. They thought they had them all when they did the search warrant. Later they found out they didn't and there was no initial help from Trump or Trump lawyers to get these additional documents. Now, these newly discovered classified documents were sent from a federal office building in Washington, D.C. to a private external storage facility in West Palm Beach, Florida, which is near the ex-president's resort and residence. Imagine that. Classified documents sitting in a storage unit. What happens if they don't pay the bill? Next thing you know... um, It's part of the the TV show Storage Wars, and one of these clowns opens up the storage, starts going through, finding whatever they're finding, and they're going, oh, shit, some top-secret documents. These are documents that are supposed to be secured in in something like a skiff. Donald Trump had them in Mar-a-Lago, and now he's got them in some fucking storage unit where anybody could get to it if they really wanted Now, the stunning revelation of more classified documents being found even after Trump attorneys attested in June that they had been told by the ex-president that there were no more classified documents. This comes after Trump's attorney hired a third party to search four of his properties for classified documents. You see what happened here. Donald Trump said, yeah, we've got no more top secret documents. The lawyers went to uh, the FBI and said, no more documents. That's what Donald says. And they signed a document, a, a, uh, a certified document with penalty of uh, perjury. So they were essentially under oath. They signed this document and said there is no more. Donnie lied. Who knew? And now these lawyers are in trouble. So now they're nervous. They're really fucking nervous. So they're saying, okay, we're going to get some other independent people to be looking at this. And this is where they came up with the uh, the two other classified documents. So a couple of things going on here. These lawyers are nervous. They want to get all the classified documents back so they don't get their ass kicked any harder than it's already been. And then it also goes to show something else that Donald Trump is totally disorganized. In Mar-a-Lago, you had boxes in a fucking closet. You had stuff, uh, stuff stuffed in his desk. And now we've got it in some storage unit off the property of Mar-a-Lago. Now, the Washington Post, which, was, which first reported on the additional classified document, adds, emails show that GSA, the Federal General Services Administration, and Trump staffers worked together to arrange to ship several pallets of boxes and other items weighing more than 3,000 pounds from Northern Virginia to, Florida, to the Florida Storage Unit in September of 2021. 3,000 pounds. That's not a whoops-a-daisy. Oh, I accidentally took these. These are several pallets totaling more than 3,000 pounds. The GSA worked with the Trump team to help secure the storage unit at a private facility in West Palm Beach on July 21, 2021, which is 18 months after Donald Trump left office. After he was asked to return these documents. Now, people familiar with the matter said the storage unit had a mix of boxes, gifts, suits, and clothes, among other things. It was suits and swords and wrestling belts and all sorts of things, this person said. To my knowledge, he has never even been to that storage unit. I don't think anyone in the Trump world had actually been there. 
Now, as the Post notes, the existence of additional classified material outside the president's Florida home indicates Mar-a-Lago was not the only place where Trump kept classified material. That should be a tip-off. That should say, we've got to check everywhere. Because having these top-secret documents out there is pretty fucking dangerous. It also provides further evidence that Trump and his team did not fully comply with a May grand jury subpoena that sought all documents marked classified still in possession of the post-presidential office. Now, when you're watching the news and you're seeing these legal experts show up on TV, they're fucking absolutely stunned. Uh, Barbara McQuaid, a former U.S. attorney, said, are you kidding me? Now, a law professor and MSNBC legal analyst, how many more classified docs do you have? Another former U.S. attorney turned law professor and MSNBC contributor Joyce Vance appeared to question how the classified documents got there. Well, that's exactly the point. How did they get there? I mean, in some situations, I think they like to suggest that it was accidental. He didn't know which is absolutely bullshit, of course he knew. He had these things, and he was going to use them however he wanted to use them. I was just talking about this with my brother today when we heard this came out. And I know a lot of people are trying to sell the story that it was just about Donnie's ego. Donnie's ego that... uh, that he wanted to show this stuff off to his friends because Donnie's a child like that. And I, I, I refuse to believe that. Or, uh, it's just not believable. Because Donald Trump, as much as he might be an immature idiot, he is also a grifter, a thief, a con man, somebody who uses blackmail to, uh, to his advantage. Now, there's a couple of things he could have been doing with these documents. He could be making them available to Russia, Saudi Arabia, North Korea, or any other country where he's indebted to as kind of a payoff after the fact, because once he's president, it's going to be harder for him to grift. He did for the last couple of years, but that's starting to wane, and he knew he needed something to generate an income or at least something equal to money to give to these people to pay off his debts. Because I got to believe that when you don't pay Russia back, it's not quite like not paying a New York construction company. You can try to file bankruptcy, but the Russians aren't going to tolerate that shit. They just aren't going to tolerate it. The other thing that he could be doing with these things is uh, blackmail, as I said, or holding them for ransom. Now, Donald Trump's people around him had to know that he was going to face some criticism, some possible indictments, and he could go to jail. Now, this might sound crazy to you, but when you look at the way Donald Trump behaves and the way things have gone down, you might think, well, Donald Trump will say, okay, don't indict me or I'll release this top secret document or that top secret document. He saw it as leverage, a way to get out from underneath the, uh, the possible indictments coming out. Well, that's, that's just not going to work. These documents should be back in the hands of the government now, and I don't know why you would sit on your hands and not go through every fucking inch of every property and every storage unit he has. I mean, let's be honest. They found one storage unit. Do you think he only has one storage unit? I'm guessing he has a number of storage units, and I'm guessing you will find top-secret documents or classified documents in those said storage units. Having these documents is dangerous to this country, and getting them back in the hands of the government is very time-sensitive. The longer they are out there, the more danger it uh, represents to this country. That's why I'm a little unsure why the Department of Justice is kind of shuffling on this thing. I mean, granted, they are looking in places, and now the lawyers are concerned because they're starting to get into trouble. But Donnie Trump is not helping anybody here. In fact, he told the lawyers, oh, yep, they got them all. 
and put those lawyers in a bad position because they testified to the fact that all the documents were gone, were back into the government's hands. But then, of course, as I said, we find out that's not the case. This is a pretty serious thing, and I'm hoping that Jack Smith, now that he's taking control of this investigation from Merrick Garland, understands the urgency to this. And I think Jack Smith does. You know, Jack Smith is 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 starting to move on a lot of this stuff. He's got a lot of stuff going in a short period of time. And I think that's who he's supposed to be. He's a hired gun, if you will. Somebody who is not associated with Democrats or Republicans. Somebody who's looking for the truth. Somebody who has experience dealing with international law. That's the other part of this. Why Jack Smith to handle this case? Yeah, he's a bulldog of a prosecutor, an investigator, and all that sort of thing. But this international law experience, was that brought into this on purpose? Was that part of the reason why he was qualified for this particular job? And I have to wonder if that's not the case. Again, going back to Donald Trump having these top secret documents and why he had them. Again, people want to sell us that it's just his ego and he wants to show off. I have to wonder if they aren't saying this or trying to sell this story to not get people upset or scared or worried. Because frankly, if these top secret documents are in the hands of our enemies, there is a lot of concern. There is a lot to be worried about. So are they just trying to keep us, you know, kind of calm over this thing and 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 not understand how big of a problem this is for the country. So the lawyers and uh, investigators go through this one storage unit. They find two documents. Now, there have been people in history, recent history, who have taken less important documents and maybe just one document and ended up going to jail because it's that touchy. Well, Donald Trump has 300 documents. Now we just find two fucking more. If nothing else, this tells us we can't trust Donald Trump. I don't know that why somebody would have to be convinced of that. I mean, Donald Trump has shown he's not trustworthy over the past six years and actually beyond that. So why anybody would give him the benefit of the doubt, I have no fucking clue. It doesn't make any sense. So this is a really troubling situation. What are they going to do? Are they going to ramp this up and try to get more of the documents? Because clearly there are more documents out there. And each one of those documents presents, represents some danger to this country. Again, maybe that's why they brought in Jack Smith. Merrick Garland's dealing with all kinds of cases. He can't focus on one case. So they bring in Jack Smith. He focuses on the insurrection and the top secret documents. This guy has proven to us that he's a pretty quick study. He catches up quickly and he seems to act with some expediency. So we're hoping against hope that that is the case. But to find out there are two more documents after going in there twice and taking out, what, like 35, um, 35 boxes of documents, and they still think there's more? As far as I understand, they have these two documents, but they think there's more yet. So where are they? Under a fucking garage? In another storage unit? in uh, Trump Tower, Bedminster. And I know a lot of you are thinking, or buried with Ivana Trump <laughs> on his golf course. I, I still think that's that's crazy. I, I don't think that's a deal. I mean, it's possible. But um, for me, if there are documents buried with his ex-wife in the golf course, I'm not as worried about that because as long as they're buried, nobody else is looking at them. But if they are buried, what advantage does that give to Donald Trump? If he's trying to just hide these things, he could take them someplace and burn them. He doesn't have to bury them with his ex-wife. He took them for a reason, to benefit him, to enrich himself. 
And as long as they're in a grave someplace, they can't do him any good at all. They can't get him in trouble either, but but uh, the trouble's already there. I, I don't know why he would hide some documents and have the others in the wide open and sitting in storage units. I don't I don't really buy the thing that they're buried with his wife. Uh, that's a that's an interesting story. To me, it's a, another conspiracy theory, and I don't like seeing Democrats using conspiracy theories. That's a Republican thing. That's a Trumplefuck thing. We can't lower ourselves to that point, making shit up. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. There are a lot of legal people that are just appalled that they found these two documents in a fucking storage unit, and it raises the question, is there more? And from what we understand from the uh, National Archives, there is more. But where is it? And why isn't he just handing them over? That is the question. And when we find out why he isn't just handing them over, we'll find out why he committed crimes. And make no mistake, these are fucking crimes. There's no gray area here. These are crimes. And that's why I think if the DOJ is going to indict Donald Trump, the first thing is going to be the top secret documents. Now, of course, down in Georgia, Fonnie Willis may be the first one. And now Alvin Bragg is starting to look into Donald Trump with regards to the uh, his company's fraud. You know, his company was indicted and just prosecuted. It was found guilty of 17 counts of fraud over a period of 15 fucking years. What's interesting about that court case, while Donald Trump wasn't part of that court case, they did come to the resolution that Donald Trump was, in fact, involved in this fraudulent activity. And I think the, the win against the Trump organization will embolden other folks like Elvin Bragg at the Manhattan District regarding, you know, his connection to the fraud. Maybe at this point, finally, he will go forward and try to investigate and indict Donald Trump. But as I've told you many times before, when that first indictment comes down, There's going to be an avalanche of indictments. Everybody's worried about being the first one. Now, this situation with this company was was an indictment to the company, and it was convicted. Not quite the same as indicting Donald Trump. However, the fact that they won that case is going to make people feel a lot easier about taking Donald Trump to court. They aren't as worried about made, made to be looking like fools or anything like this. They, they will feel emboldened after that win. So that was a big deal. And these top secret documents, given that he probably still has more, problematic for this country and even a bigger problem for Donald Trump. All right. We will take a break. And we will be right back. Well, it's been a while since we've heard from the January 6th committee. But we know we've got to hear from them soon. Because, um, well, the Republicans will take over the House in January 3rd. And uh, the House Select Committee, the January 6th committee, needs to be done in advance of that. They have to be done so that there's no takeover by the Republicans and they shut it down and they fuck with it and all that stuff. So Benny Thompson, the chair of the House committee, uh, needs to get it finished not only by January 1, but before Christmas, because you understand that the Congress will take a break around Christmas. They'll go out for a couple of weeks And then when they come back, the new Congress will be seated and then it will be a Republican controlled House of Representatives. So they have to get this done and they have to get it done quickly. And now we're finally finding out when that date will be. Representative Benny Thompson, chair of the House Committee investigating the January 6th attack on the U.S. U.S. Capitol said Wednesday that the panel's long-awaited report will be released on Wednesday, December 21st. Today is the 8th. So we're talking less than two weeks away. 
and they will release the report. Thompson said the report's release would be coupled with some form of public presentation, the details of which are still being sorted out by the committee members. So there will be, I don't know if you call it a hearing, a presentation, closing arguments, I don't know what you call it, but they are going to put on a presentation, which I think is important. Not only releasing the documents, but also giving some presentation to walk people through what they are looking at. That, I think, is crucial, and clearly that's their plans. Now, Benny Thompson has been hearing from the DOJ and been hearing from Kevin McCarthy, you've got to give us all the documents. And uh, Benny Thompson did the most gangster thing he could do. He said, sure, you can have your copies, but we're going to release them to everybody in this country, all media, everybody in this country. Now, as soon as that gets released, you're going to hear a lot about the evidence. These media outlets are going to go through it, start reporting it. You're going to have bloggers. You're going to have people on TikTok, people in podcasts reading things and talking about this stuff. This information is going to spread like wildfire, and it doesn't spell good things for Donald Trump or the Republicans. Now, Thompson says the accompanying materials will be posted online, which means anybody can get them. I can get them. You can get them. Everybody can get them. That's the way it should be, and that's going to be the most damaging for the Republican Party. He also said that any decisions regarding potential criminal referrals will come that same day and will be voted on publicly. Thompson indicated on Tuesday that criminal referrals related to the Capitol attack are under discussion, but that final decisions, including on specific crimes and specific suspects, had not been made pending a vote by the committee members. Now, that said, there is another story that you need to hear. CNN reporter Jamie Gangel or Gangle, said the House January 6th committee will recommend to the Department of Justice that former President Donald Trump be criminally charged. Not only are they saying there's going to be a criminal referral, they're saying it's going to be a criminal referral of Donald Trump. And that will start a shitstorm. Now, on Wednesday morning, the network reported that the committee was considering making a criminal referral, but later in the day, Gangel said, stated unequivocally on the air that it will happen. Now, this is coming from the media. We don't know anything for sure, but the media has been pretty good at predicting some of these things that are going to happen. The committee is investigating Trump's role in the January 2021 insurrection where a mob of his supporters stormed the Capitol, of course. Uh, Trump continues to tell people, yeah, the election was stolen, but we know that's bullshit. Now, during Wednesday's Situation Room, Wolf Blitzer noted that committee member Adam Schiff told NPR he believes Trump committed crimes. So what does that tell you? Blitzer asked Gangel. Gangel said the committee is uh, not being shy. Donald Trump is going to be on that criminal referral list, one of my many sources said front and center. The real question is, who else is going to be on that list? And to be perfectly honest with you, that list could be very long. You've got Mark Meadows, you've got Roger Stone, Jenny Thomas, sitting members of Congress. All kinds of people could be on that list. So it'll be interesting to see how long that list is. But from what we're hearing, it sounds like it's pretty safe to expect that Donald Trump will be on that criminal referral list. She went on to say she doesn't know who else will be flagged by the committee, which does not have the power to prosecute, but can make such recommendations to the DOJ. She said, we don't have names yet. We don't know how many. But a source familiar with the committee's work told me that this is not going to be some wide-ranging list, that the committee is going to be very deliberate. They're going to make referrals for people about crimes that they think they really have a strong substantive evidence to hand over to the DOJ. So what, what they're saying, essentially, is we're not just going to refer everybody. We're going to take the key players. 
So it probably won't be a long list, but it'll be a list nonetheless. You, like I say, with the people off the top of my head could be Donald Trump, Roger Stone, Mark Meadows, Rudy Giuliani, sitting members of Congress. We know seven the, seven of them wanted uh, wanted uh, pardons. So, you know, it still could be 10, 12 people on the list, but we're going to have to wait and see what happens. Now, CNN has this legal analyst, Ellie Honig, who's actually pretty good. He predicted that such a referral would likely include an allegation of obstruction of Congress and conspiracy to defraud the country. He said, if I had to forecast what will likely be in the criminal referrals that Jamie just talked about, I think they're going to be focusing on obstruction of Congress, the effort to try to block Congress from counting up the electoral votes, and a conspiracy to defraud the United States of a free and fair election. And that could include a lot of people. It could include all of those people I mentioned. So it's going to be very interesting. The January 6th committee is going to culminate, it appears, on December 21st. There's going to be a lot of evidence in the presentation exposed. Every bit of evidence they have will be posted online for any of us to get. And this is going to create a shit show. And we need to watch Donald Trump very closely in this situation because this might be the checkmate for him, at least on this particular topic, the insurrection. And he's going to feel cornered, and he's going to feel like there's no way out. His normal tactics, his bullying, his lying, his trying to talk louder and longer than anybody and control the narrative, none of that is going to work. And with a guy with his personality, he's going to lose his shit. Like I told you before when he said, we should terminate the Constitution. You think that's fucking crazy? Wait till this hits. It's going to get crazier yet. And that's when Donald Trump gets to be dangerous. And that's when Donald Trump might incite some more violence. So we have to be very careful of this. Let's talk about Georgia a little bit. Georgia, one of my favorite places, as I've talked about before. Um, and, of course, we had the big runoff election. Now, this comes from Fox News, who I don't like, who I don't watch. But this is an interesting story, nonetheless. Fox News contributor Liz Peake called Herschel Walker's defeat in Georgia which, of course, gave the Democrats the Senate majority. Actually, they had the Senate majority. It gave them one extra seat. Uh, she calls this the end of Trumpism. And she kind of excoriated the president. You know, I've told you all along this is going to happen. Uh, eventually, people are going to see Donald Trump as a liability. They are going to step away from it. And the Herschel Walker election may have been the straw that broke the camel's back. The crazy thing is that if now they start to step away from Donald Trump, what took you so fucking long? I mean, what's a guy got to do to lose your fucking vote, for Christ's sake? Trying to overthrow the government, white supremacy, anti-Semitism, misogyny, and any number of things, stealing top-secret documents. None of that is enough for get, to get people to step away. But once he starts losing elections, like he's done since uh, 2020, that's, that's a bridge too far. Now, according to Peak, Walker wrote Donald Trump's political obituary by losing a winnable race to Senator Raphael Warnock. I don't think it was winnable, but of course Fox News has a different look at this. Um, she called for Trump to think about retirement after this humiliation. Now this is coming from a Fox News contributor. Be honest with you, this is something they should have done more than a year ago. They should have seen all this coming, but for whatever reason, they didn't. They're so arrogant, they're so cocky, that they keep spewing this stuff, and it's like they think they can will this on the country and the people. Keep saying this is a lie, this is a hoax. Donald Trump is our Lord and Savior, and he's going to be put back in office. Keep saying that, and then ultimately... 
in their minds, they think it's actually going to happen. Well, after all those months and those years of doing this, guess what? It hasn't happened. So now they're starting to become disappointed. And I, and I say, well, what, what fucking took you so long? you just now realizing this? Now, um, Liz Peake goes on to say, having suffered the rare humiliation of failing to win a second term in the Oval Office and having cost his party a majority in the Senate three times, it is time for Donald Trump to step away from politics. It is the right thing to do for his party, for the country, and for himself, she wrote. Now, Peake also added, Mr. Trump will not win another election. His most glaring political strength today is his ability to energize Democrats, causing not only historic turnout, but attracting gushers of campaign cash for the opposition. I mean, we know that uh, during the Herschel Walker, Raphael Warnock uh, runoff election, Warnock raised twice as much money as Herschel Walker. And we know that Mitch McConnell didn't dip into the um, war chest as much as he should have because he saw it as a loser. He thought it was throwing bad money or good money after bad. Trump was a breath of fresh air when he ran for president in 2016, only to the Republicans, not us. And he was a successful president knocked down by a virus from China. But now, now again, this is Liz Peake speaking from Fox News. But his refusal to admit defeat in the 2020 election and the tragic aftermath of the refusal to shut the door on his political career after January 6th and having publicly nursed his grievances for two years, there is no comeback. I like what she says here. Trump was a breath of fresh air. He was not a breath of fresh air. People were tired of establishment politics, which uh, both the Democratic and Republican Party should take note of and act accordingly. The Republicans saw him as somebody different than the establishment, and that's why he got elected. But then she says he was a successful president, knocked down by a virus from China. I beg to differ. He was not a successful president. He didn't do anything. The only thing he accomplished is this huge tax cut for rich people and the crumbs, the temporary crumbs, for we the middle class. He wasn't successful. And to suggest the virus was at fault for Donald Trump's problems, I always hear this and I always say the same thing. Had Donald Trump done what any other president would have done once this pandemic started, the pandemic would have never gotten as bad as it did. They cried about closed businesses, having to wear masks, a million people fucking dying. Poor Donnie just got unlucky because the pandemic hit while he was in office. Well, no. No, that's not true. Donnie Trump thought that the pandemic was going to hurt his reelection in 2020, so he decided what any child would do when there was a problem. Let's just ignore it. Act like it's not there. Tell them it's a hoax so they don't hold me responsible for it. The ironic thing is, come 2020, the fact that he ignored it and wanted to act like it didn't exist was the very reason he probably lost in 2020. When the pandemic took off, I mean, he told us it's going to be over in a couple of weeks. We only got 15 people in the country with, with the COVID, so it's no big deal. The fact that he ignored it exacerbated the effects in this country. I mean, significantly, like we said, a million people plus died from this. It caused all kinds of divisiveness in this country, all kinds of conspiracy theories, and it was horrific for this country. Had Donald Trump just did one thing or two things that a normal president would do when we were faced with this kind of situation, it would have been a far different deal. And because he did that or he did nothing, that cost him the election. I'm a firm believer that had he handled the pandemic properly, he might very well have won in 2020. But as I've said many times before, just let Donald Trump do something or say something, and he will always fuck himself over. 
Now, Liz Peek said Trump has become irrelevant mainly due to his constant complaining about the 2020 election being stolen from him. She cited numerous midterm races as evidence that election denialism is a losing platform. Almost everybody that stood with Donald Trump in this election fraud thing lost their races. (laughs) It just strikes me funny that now you finally get it. Why did all of us get it? Two years ago, when you started complaining, kind of tells me that the Republicans are a little fucking slow. She also faulted the former president for not opening up his vast campaign war chest of struggling for struggling GOP candidates and added it's time for the former president to realize that staying in the 2024 contest will only further erode his legacy. He must move aside. What she's talking about there, he collected all kinds of money. He collected money for um, Herschel Walker, but pocketed most of it. Um, His PAC had hundreds of millions of dollars. And that money largely should have been used to help other Republican candidates win. But he didn't do it. He just held on to the money. He puts it in his pocket, and he fucking walks away. As I said, Donald Trump fucks up every step of the way. Now, a lot of the Republicans right now are debating and agonizing over um, what they can attribute their party's loss in the 2022 midterm election, including most recently, of course, in the runoff in Georgia. They're attributing it to President Donald Trump and his baseless claims of voter fraud in 2020's presidential election. As Liz Peek said, it's a fucking loser. It was a loser from the beginning, but it didn't take, it took until they got their ass kicked before they realized it. Um, His obsession with the 2020 election became an albatross and a real liability for people who are running, especially in swing states. That was from Senator John Thune of South Dakota. And number two Senate Republican told reporters this on Wednesday. (laughs) Really, you think? You think that's what caused it? The moral of the story is, again, that when people think about elections, they want candidates that can come forward and talk about forward-looking positive agenda that hopefully inspires and appeals to their hopes and their aspirations in some states. At least we didn't do a good job at that. Yeah, no shit. See, that's, that's the thing the Republicans miss at every shot, at every chance. They want to blame the midterms on Donald Trump. And while he was partially responsible for the loss in the midterms, it was bigger than that. But they refuse to see that. And when I say it's bigger than that, it wasn't just about Donald Trump. It was about the Republicans' policies or lack of policies. They complain a lot. They try to own the libs, but they have no answers to these problems. What are you going to do about high gas prices? They didn't have anything. They bitched about it. Inflation. They had nothing. Uh, The border. They had nothing to fix it. They were just complaining, Democrats are bad, so let us do it because we'll do a better job. Really, motherfucker? Most of what's going on now is, uh, um, is because of the Republicans. But now they're finally getting it. Now, Walker wasn't the only Trump-backed candidate who fell short this year. We got GOB candidates who embraced Trump firmly but ended up losing, including Blake Masters in Arizona, Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania, Don Bolduc in New Hampshire. Roy Blunt said, I think candidates matter. I think we lost two or three or four races we didn't have to lose this year, at least. Retiring Senator Pat Toomey offered a more blunt response, just one more data point in an overwhelming body of data that the Trump obsession is very bad for Republicans, Toomey said, adding that normal Republicans did extremely well. You see what he did there? These people embraced Trumplifox or Trumpism. He just said the quiet word out loud. 
he said the quote-unquote normal Republicans did extremely well. Well, what does he mean by that? I mean, he himself, amongst all his buddies, followed the trump But now he's saying those folks are not normal. <laughs> there are normal Republicans, and I beg to differ that too. They all kind of supported Donald Trump. Maybe not to the extent as the trump but they were there. They were part of this. They got the stink on them. But now you see what he's doing. He's trying to separate these people out. He's trying to point out that uh, um, he's trying to point out that that there is a difference in the Republican Party, and that gives them yet another problem. As long as the Republican Party is split, and make no mistake, it is. They have the Trumplefux, the uh, radical right, and then they have what they're calling the normal Republicans. And see, this is where the problem is going to be. It's not just about Donald Trump, and, and that's not the only reason why they're losing elections. It's about the things they do, they say. I'm willing to bet that overturning Roe v. Wade cost them more in the midterm election than Donald Trump himself did. I guarantee you that's the case. And I'll guarantee you that uh, while Donald Trump maybe had some impact on the Raphael Warnock-Herschel Walker case, Remember, just a week before or 10 days before, the Georgia Supreme Court essentially outlawed abortion in the state of Georgia. See, this is what I don't understand, how they don't get this. Old white men look at overturning Roe v. Wade as, oh, sure, they'll be mad for a while, but they'll get over it. I guarantee you, the women of this country and the people that support those women of this country aren't getting over it. They are scared to death that you're taking a constitutional right away from them. And you overturn Roe v. Wade before the midterms, and Georgia outlaws abortion prior to the runoff election. I'll guarantee you those things were more responsible for the losses than Donald Trump. But they don't get that yet. So what are they going to do, kick Donald Trump out and stay with the same ideology? Well, I hope they do because they'll fucking keep losing. Let's talk about the Supreme Court briefly as we get down to the waning moments of the Rational Boomer podcast. The justices on the Supreme Court appear split Wednesday over whether to back a fringe theory that would upend election and redistricting law in every state. This is the one that's scaring a lot of people out there. They feel that this could be the end of democracy. And I'm going to tell you this. I don't think it's going to happen. And even if it does happen, I think I think uh, suggesting that it's going to end uh, democracy is fatalistic, and I don't do that. The court heard arguments in the case of Moore versus Harper, which involves the independent state legislature theory. It holds that state legislators were unbound by state constitutions and state courts when enacting law governing federal elections or drawing congressional district maps. This highly controversial theory has never been accepted by the judicial branch and has been deemed historically implausible and antithetical to the Constitution by historians of the founding era and judicial scholars, conservative and liberal alike. So now what they're hearing, what they're hearing right now is that there are three of these conservative justices that are leaning toward this concept. The fact of the matter is this concept makes no sense. I mean, it would be crazy for the Supreme Court to vote for this. If you've only got three of the six conservatives that are leaning that way and the other three vote against it, and of course the uh, liberals would vote against it, uh, it's not going to pass. The Supreme Court has so much trouble right now. This would be like confessing that they're partisan. I mean, it, it, the idea is just so 
out there and so anti-Constitution. It would be absolutely crazy for them to do this. Now, the case came to the court after the North Carolina Supreme Court struck down the Congressional District Map. The North Carolina Supreme Court said, yeah, this is bullshit. We're not doing it. So then, of course, they appeal it to the Supreme Court. I mean, think about this. You've got state legislators having full control over federal elections. How does that even make sense? It makes no fucking sense. The state is the state. The feds are the feds. One shouldn't be controlling the other. I mean, let's let's put it to, to you this way. The Republicans will bitch and complain about the feds taking control of state stuff. So why then would they be willing to let the state take control of federal stuff? It doesn't make any sense. It's, it's contradictory to what they claim to believe. I'm not sure exactly how this will end up, but people are worried and people are kind of fatalistic about it. My gut tells me the Supreme Court is not going to vote in favor of this. It would be too risky. It would be too earth-shattering, and it would be too much trouble, and court precedents doesn't allow for them to vote for this. I just don't see it happening. But this is the Supreme Court of the United States, and it's a pretty fucked body, so who really knows? Of course, we'll watch it closely and keep an eye on it and let you know how things go, but uh, I just don't see it's, it's going to happen. Last thing I want to talk about, Rudy Giuliani. There's a guy by the name of Andriy Durkash, or Durkach, a pro-Kremlin Ukrainian politician whom Americans' intelligence agencies believe is a Russian spy. He's been charged with multiple counts of money laundering. Now, Rolling Stone reported that Durkach, who infamously met with the former Trump lawyer Rudy Giuliani in 2019 to push purported dirt on Hunter Biden, has been hit with seven counts of money laundering related to his attempt to purchase of two Beverly Hills condominiums. Prosecutors allege that Durkash tried to hide his purchase of the condos by moving $4 million around through a shell corporation. Now, while participating in a scripted Russian disinformation campaign seeking to undermine U.S. institutions, Durkash simultaneously conspired to fraudulently benefit from a Western lifestyle for himself and his family in the United States. Assistant U.S. Attorney Michael Driscoll said in a prepared statement about the money laundering charges. I got one last story for you. And this is a story we've heard before. It's just a different name. A Florida appeals court has ordered Michael Flynn, who briefly served as Donald Trump's national security advisor, to testify before the Georgia special grand jury in Fulton County District Attorney General Fonnie Willis's investigation into the 2020 election fraud. Uh, Flynn pleaded guilty in 2017 to making false statements to the FBI during uh, the Mueller investigation into Russian interference in 2016. Of course, Donald Trump granted him a full pardon. Why not let a felon uh, traitor go free? Now, like his co-defendants, Rudy Giuliani and Senator Lindsey Graham, Flynn was successful in delaying his testimony, but will ultimately be forced to appear. Both Giuliani and Graham have already testified, and now Flynn is set to testify um, to follow them today. Now, in a court filing, D.A. Willis alleged that Flynn possesses unique knowledge concerning communications between himself and other known and unknown individuals involved in the multi-state coordinated efforts to influence the results of the November 2020 elections. Mark Meadows, Trump's former chief of staff, also lost his appeal but has yet to schedule his appearance. Former U.S. House Speaker Newt Gingrich is in the middle of his own appeal but will almost lose, will lose just as much as everybody else. So Fannie Willis is getting to the top of the pyramid here. She's going to be talking to 
the people closest to Donald Trump, with her focus likely to be Donald Trump as well. Now, all of these people I I, I mention, we know that uh, Giuliani has been identified as a possible target. I think it's likely that Lindsey Graham and Michael, Michael Flynn will also be identified as targets. Not so sure about Gingrich or Mark Meadows, but who knows? Fonnie Willis is a beast, and she isn't scared of anything, and she's going to go after these motherfuckers and take them down. There's no question about it. So we'll be watching this, and, and now I think it's just kind of a race. Who's going to do the first indictment, Fonnie Willis or Jack Smith? Don't really care which one it is because the first one that falls will start a chain reaction, a domino effect. There will be more indictments after that. People are very concerned about being the first one, but once that first one falls, it's all over for Donald Trump. All right. We are going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen and uh, hope you have a great day and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.